During a crisis, you know, cocktail hour can be almost any hour. make me burp. Welcome to the Boozy Sitters Club. Today, we're, this is a very special episode. We are recapping, not really recapping, we're just talking about the, the series and that we liked it and why we liked it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We liked it. <laughs> we do still have booze, right? Yeah. I mean, I have booze. I got booze. <laughs> it's not exciting, but I got booze. Well, should we just... Let's talk about the booze. We'll we'll get the booze out of the way. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a vodka tonic. I'm going simple. And, you know, I... Any specific vodka you want to shout out? Um, You know, I'm not drinking anything special. (laughs) Uh, There are brands that I would like to be drinking. But, but you're not. This is I'm like not. this is like your uh, this your college is, dorm room vodka it's, tonic. It's not quite that. Um, so you're not using a, like pop off in the plastic handle. No, God, no, nope. <gasps> I stumbled onto, and I would shout it out if I could remember what it was now, but I, I honestly don't. I stumbled onto, by I mean. I, I mean, me, my mom, that was words. It's this vodka that's like total middle of the road. It's not super expensive. Um, my mom bought it at one point and she was like, yeah, this is supposedly okay. And I looked it up and it's one of these, we now refer to it as hipster vodka because I found a blog that reviewed it. And I think it might even be Polish or something. Like it's this weird kind of middle of the road. Is it made out of potatoes? Uh, I don't think it is. Um, I will, I'll look it up and figure out, post a little Instagram story about it. But, um, but so it's just like a, a decent, solid go-to vodka to have around. And so that's what I'm drinking. You know, sometimes you just need to go with something simple. It just, it felt like a simple day and I honestly do really enjoy a vodka tonic. So that's what I went with. Cool. Vodka tonic and a squeeze of lime. What about you? I consulted my, I don't think I showed you the cover before, my New York Times Mm, essential cocktail. Yep. They have a few things in here called a champagne cocktail. Mm. But this one by Mark Bittman. Oh, I like him. Oh, yeah. Well, it was featured in in the New York Times on January 25th, 2011. Is a champagne cocktail with bitters, lemon juice, maple syrup, champers, and a twist of lemon. It's quite good. I was a little worried that it was going to be sweet maple because syrupy. of the maple syrup, but because of the lemon and the bitters, it's not. It's it's actually really good. Cool. Well, I feel like you've balanced out my simplicity with a simple yet a little fancier. Well, that's like when I just had wine and you made a daiquiri. <laughs> Look, we do what we want when it comes <laughs> to the booze. We go by how we're feeling. Nothing can... I'm sorry. There's just some random, like, it might be a UFO on the building across the street from me. I hope it is. We'll find out. It's like this blue, almost looks like a balloon or something. 
We can ask Karen. We can ask Karen. So, Um, yeah, so we're just going to, we've now both watched the entire Netflix series. mm -hmm. You binge watched it. I did. I couldn't stop myself. I finished it the first weekend. I had every intention of not binge watching it because I'm trying not to binge watch things as much to savor them. I don't know why. Like, it's like it gives me something to look forward to in COVID times. Yeah. And we hadn't read all the books at that point that were in the episodes. And then I just could I just couldn't stop myself. I just full blown binge watch. I mean, I get it. They're short episodes. They're less than 30 minutes and they're fun. And I... was a little tough to stop myself, but I wanted to make sure that, especially because there's a couple that um, they moved one of the books, like the order of one of the books they moved in the series. And also I realized after the first few, some of the plot lines in the books, they stretch out over the series a little bit. Yeah. So I, to keep my mind, as we were talking about the books that we hadn't read yet, I wanted to do that. So I actually managed to do it. I wasn't sure if I was going to, but I did manage to do it and then watched the rest of them. I think that I watched the last three altogether, last four. I know. I said, I like, I love, I liked it, but I loved it. It was yeah. just, it was. It's so also, well done. I also watched it at my parents' house. <laughs> so it was like, Okay. Here I am in my 30s watching the Babysitter's Club. Neither of them want to watch it with me. And I'm just like, I this is so good. Well, <laughs> the casting I, was fantastic. I just think the whole, they did a really good job. I think they recognized, um, they recognized who the audience was going to be, I mm-hmm. think. And so they knew that they were going to target it. I'm saying this like I actually know this. I don't know this. These are all assumptions on my part. But I feel like they they recognized that essentially it is still a series for kids who are in their, you know, early, late tweens and early teens. Especially since they're redoing all of the books as graphic novels. Yes. And they cast people who are actually those ages. Which I thought was Brilliant, because so often shows about teenagers cast 20-somethings and shows about middle schoolers cast teenagers, and it's just, it it gives everyone a very false sense of what children those age actually look like. And this was like, these were like real 13-year-old girls. Yes. And they were were fantastic. I love- So good. Like, all of them were great. I love that it's been updated to be more diverse and looks what it, like an actual group of 13-year-old girls in America looks like. I loved it. So good. And I think I think one of the things too is that with the diversity, it's not you're not losing anything of the books. Like no. you're not changing who the characters are and I think particularly I keep thinking about Dawn because in the books, there's a whole, like her, her whole introduction is that she's this California girl. And in the eighties, California girl met what meant one thing very particularly, Mm -hmm. which was long blonde hair surfer girl, but who was also still like into health food and you know, that kind of thing. And then I think to, to have the actress who plays her now, it's still so identifiably a California girl. 
in yeah, a very I different mean, way. And she's still at her heart, still Dawn. Just because she's yeah. a Latinx character doesn't mean that she's not still in to health food. Right. At the end of the day, it didn't matter what she looks like. She's still Dawn. Right. And she still had the same sensibility as the character in the book. She still wanted to prove herself to Christy by taking on way too sure. much. And it was I didn't enjoy that that through line of how how the casting was still true to the core of the character no matter who they cast and i just thought it was very well done yeah and i think the they are still the characters like you said like they're not the characters are still the characters it's just what those little extras are and i think mm-hmm. some of it is the stereotypical stuff of like what people think california is what people think connecticut is or new york right. you know with stacy like that has not changed. She, very much like the books, is the, you know, everyone's like, ooh, you're from New York. Like, you know, it's so I think they, yes, they did a really good job. All the, and they're kids, so I feel like I can say kids and girls, but like all the kids are like, so you know this, I hate precocious, precocious children. Like True. they annoy me. I hate Child, I don't mind child actors when they're actually acting and like in movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. when you see kids who are actors or something in real life and they just have that performative aspect about their personalities, like they can mm-hmm. never kind of turn it off. And sometimes I think that bleeds into it where you can tell kids are acting. And I feel like for the most part, these kids are really good. Like it yeah. seems very natural. It doesn't feel because and I think part of the reason why I don't like it is sometimes it feels almost uncomfortable to watch like they're being. It's not authentic. And they were all very yeah. authentic, even if they aren't like that. You know, they are they are actual actors in the sense that you would have any you would hold any actor up to like it. They don't have to be that way in real life to portray that character. Right. But they still very much held true, like we said, to the essence of the character. I mean, Marianne, even though she's biracial in this version, still has braids and her dad's still right. not so. And it's not just the kids. The adult casting was perfect. Although Marianne's dad, I don't remember his name, but we need to talk about how in everything else, he's like a murderer or the bad guy or just someone really creepy and sadistic. Or a literal demon. <laughs> In the good place. And I'm just like, was always waiting for that. And it was like, there was just small undercurrents, but it worked so well with him being like uptight. And we need to also talk about my favorite line interaction in the whole series was between Dawn and Marianne's dad when she calls him on the phone to try to like get her mom and him back together. And And she pretends to be her mom. Yeah. And invites him over for wine on the rocks and he's just like nobody drinks wine on the rocks <laughs> no, just died. it's great and i think because the most recent thing i had like seen him in and remembered him from was the good place where he literally wears a human skin suit <laughs> that like i kept expecting him to like unzip his skin suit um and, i knew he didn't but and again like playing to you know who it's for now reintroduce not reintroducing introducing a new generation to the babysitters club but then there were also things in it for people like us who grew up with the book so like elder millennials gen xers where Cher horowitz is 
<laughs> yes. Christy's mom. And they throw in some clueless references. <laughs> and uh, I read the costume designer. So there have been like, I've looked at a lot of, there have been little interviews and stuff with a lot of the people who, who made the series. And there was this whole, I think it was, I can't remember where it was. I'm I feel like I read a lot of stuff and I don't remember where I actually read it, but um, it was a whole thing on from the costume designer about each of the characters and how mm-hmm. she approached them. And Claudia actually wears a yellow plaid in one one of the first few episodes that she's like, oh, yeah, that is a direct clueless reference. It was just everything was so it was so well done and not in like a forced way like you could tell they took a lot of care with it and again being you know making sure that us women of a certain age were into it you know maybe you just get a little thirsty for mr kishi he was like way too hot for stony brook like stony brook <laughs> i was like has wow. the secret hot dads <laughs> i was like <laughs> whoa what's Mr. Kishi, wow. Episode 10. Hello, Mr. Kishi. (laughs) But even how they updated the theme. So we have read and done an episode on Mean Janine, Claudia and Mean Janine. Janine, the casting for Janine was also great. Like episode one, I was like, I (laughs) love Janine. Episode two, I was like, okay, she's annoying me a little bit. But I came right back around on her. I loved her. She was great. that storyline was updated where instead, like how Mimi starts to get some of her cognitive abilities back, focuses around that Mimi was actually put in, I mean, let's call a spade a spade, the concentration camps we had <laughs> during World War II for Japanese Americans. And Janine played a really big role in explaining some of that to Claudia and... It was it was done in a way that I thought was really well thought out and bringing up something to kids that they probably aren't learning about that in school. But it's something that happened. And it's and, something that happened pretty recently. And that is sort of still happening now. Like, yeah. And I'm going to talk about this, but we may have to cut it because I'm going to ask my friend permission if I can Mm -hmm. use this, but I have a friend whose um, grandparents, I believe, family definitely, grandparents, I think, um, were in the internment camps. Yeah. And that's that's something that is like not even recent memory. That's direct memory. That is literally something that happened to, you know, like in a, a blink of an eye, in terms of what time is concerned. Yeah. And and so that is really recent memory. Like that stuff, like you're saying, that's it's recent memory. It's also happening now in other ways. And it's stuff that I think probably, yeah, you may learn about it. I mean, I think I remember learning about it in school as a, and then this happened. We're moving on now to the yeah. big things. Right. And and I do think that with all of what has been going on the past few months, I think we might be reaching another point in education where later on, you know, mm-hmm. as we start to look at how we teach kids history, I think a lot of these things that maybe have been glossed over may not be as glossed over and may get a little bit more of a, hey, this is something that actually happened and we need to talk about it. And this is something that actually yeah. happened if kids are watching this. It could be their grandparents' contemporaries or their grandparents or, you know, any of that. 
Yeah, and it, you know, and it was done in a way that any, not every family, but a lot of people's families have stories of people being the other within them. Like any, you know, it made me think about, I thought about my grandfather a lot watching that episode. He is not Japanese, but he, it made me think about stories he would tell me about his experience during World War II and how he was the first Jewish person anyone in his regiment had ever met and things that went along with that and how it was interesting how they wove that in and then how Claudia really took it to heart and thought about it and how it, you know, impacted her art. I just thought that was really, I thought it was done in a way that I guess why I brought up my grandfather is if you've experienced maybe not exactly that, but if you've had an experience of someone othering someone you know or someone you love or you yourself, it kind of g- gives you an outlet and a way to show you how you can handle it too, which is very reminiscent of what the books did too. I will say what I also love is while the books, and we've talked about this, kind of teeter around the edges of being unabashedly progressive, this show is like, nope. Sure. We we are not we are not even pretending that we are not. We're just going to pretend that these things are normal. Like how it the way they be just is how it is. How, this is how it should be. This is how it is. It isn't weird that you know one thing that I thought was going to go away was the Doctor Johansson being a, a female doctor until you realize, yes. oh no, Mrs. Johansson is actually Doctor Johansson's wife. Yes. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And getting that you know, in. <laughs> I think. And Dawn starting a, starting a protest at the camp. I just. It was yes. all. But even and then like, we haven't even touched on. I can't remember. Now I'm totally blanking on her name. Jenny Prezioso's name in the series. Bailey. Bailey. But Del before Vecchio. we get to her. Bailey Del Vecchio. Yes. We, um, we actually made it more Guido. <laughs> Just yes. saying. <laughs> One thing I think where you're saying it's it's more progressive, I think it is, but it's also of the time. Like, yeah. I think one thing that everybody, including us, well, I'll speak for myself, including me, forgets is is what it felt like to be in a certain time at that particular time. So when you look back on something... 20 years ago, 30 years ago, yeah. 40 years ago, it seems like, oh, well, that was like tiptoeing into this, where in some ways, I think a lot of what the Babysitter's Club books were doing were smash, like smashing their feet into it, saying like, here we come, That's we're talking true. about these things. And not in quite that way. Like, I do think hinting about things was the way to, like, I'm well, here. But thinking about it, though, too, when the books came out, because, you know, I am a little younger than you. (laughs) I your memory of those times. Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Everyone I know is older than me. I remember one of my friends like wanted to have an extra special party when I turned 30 because finally she didn't have any friends in her 20s anymore. I was like, thanks. Also, thanks for still hanging out with me. I was younger than even the babysitters. I was like Karen's age. Right. I guess it, you're right. I guess what I'm saying is you are right. It is just... <laughs> Thank you. It is reflective of the time. Welcome to the best day of my life. And it is about like what 
the world should look like in this moment or what you and idealize what you want it to be. Because in my head, in those books, that is how the world was. Right. The other thing that I loved about the series. Yeah. Was Watson. I loved Watson. I love the whole Brewer clan. Seriously. Karen. Karen. If it was not culturally inappropriate to say spirit animal anymore, and I need to figure out what the better term to use is now, that is how I would describe Karen. For you? Like a little. It's like how I want to be. (laughs) I think I am Karen in this rendition. Sure. Sure. The doll thing. She had a, she had a, she had a few, the first time we meet Karen... She's planning a funeral for her doll. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, it just like, she just, <laughs> she seemed so unabashedly like. Weird. But like, just didn't even care. But and she did care. Cause remember then she ran away. I know she because did. Because David I Michael, David Michael said he, she wasn't his sister because yes. she was being a real weirdo. In the yes. play. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest, she was. But I just like there's a lot about her that I think was great. Oh, my God. She was so she's single handedly bringing she's bringing the na- good things back to the name Karen. The thing that I was so sad about is that the show did not show her playing. Let's all come in. I mean, there's time. There is time. Maybe we can start a like a Twitter campaign yeah. to make sure because I think she's on. I think her parents have like a Instagram or Twitter they account do. for her, so mm-hmm. we can tag her and say that we think she would be great. She in, would be so. She was fantastic, and Watson was in. lovely. I just, I, I, I he think, was like I've seen that guy in other things. I can never remember any of these people's names, so I'm sorry that I'm just like that guy. His that name woman is. And I, I don't know how to correctly He's the Royal Pains guy, right? Yes. It's Mark Feuerstein. Feuerstein? That sounds a little Hitler-y. I hope it's not that. Let's go with Feuerstein. <laughs> no one wants to be Hitler-y. Not even Hitler. Like, he killed himself. <laughs> he did. Um, but the way he portrayed Watson was so lovely. And I, like, I... That's one thing that I love about like TV or movie adaptations of books is sometimes there is that little extra thing because yeah. in books, I love books. Books are always going to be the, the, my favorite way of getting stories. But I think that like a, a good actor can do stuff with their face that isn't necessarily yeah. written down or like a gesture or something. And I do think they, they made his character a little, a little more knowing Yes. A little less bumbling than I feel yes. like he is in the books. A little less bumbling than he is in the books, but still so so desperately wants Christy to trust him and yes. to like him. And I think when I really fell in love with Watson in the show was the car wash incident. Oh, it where- hurt my soul. <laughs> I knew it was coming and I was <laughs> like, no. Where Karen and Andrew... These well, because Karen, because Karen was being... Karen and and I love that they just took Karen from the books and just took her even further because it wasn't just like Christy wasn't paying attention Karen like 
lures her into I said it right <laughs> lures her into like this closet in the garage with some spooky tail because everything's spooky and then get and then gets the steel wool <laughs> and just goes to town on this like vintage sports car and I think in it actually in the show that was an even more gut-wrenching moment in the book because in the book it was just like some old clink clunker that they had yes it was like a an old brown honda that for some reason watson didn't want to get rid of and i didn't fully understand why but in the show it was like <sighs> it's like a vintage <laughs> i was it a it might have been a corvette or a mercedes it's like a little vintage two seat convertible it's gorgeous and, and oh man Uh, And they just went to town. But when I fell in love with Watson, because he's trying to get a hold of Christy, trying to get a hold of Christy, trying to get a hold of Christy, and finally gets a hold of Christy. She keeps, like, ignoring his calls. (laughs) Ignoring him. And then finally, she, they talk, and she's like, you're not going to tell my mom, are you? And he's like, oh, God, no. (laughs) And I was like, that's so sweet. (laughs) I think what I really liked about him in the show is... In the books, it's a little hard to see him as a dad. Like, I know Karen and Andrew are there a lot, but he's not, he's more written as they are at his house and other people are taking care of them. And in the show, he comes across as a dad. You can see him Mm -hmm. being a dad to these little kids. It's just that he doesn't quite know how to be a dad, a stepdad. Right. And I also think with that, I think they, the show also did a really good job with Christy's mom. Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. I, I know her name. <laughs> and I'm going to find out Mr. Casey's name. Um, <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, I thought her struggles as a single mom actually shine through better in the show in those early episodes and I think some of that is just again changing things for 2020 and how she had to juggle things and I think there was just something about that quick montage of her trying to find a babysitter and not being able to find a babysitter that you know is something only the magic of television can really like (laughs) yes yeah but even like how she was like I'm still trying to figure this out yeah and she yeah. 100% tells all of her children they're her favorite children, but that's fine. It worked in the show. It's fine. Also, and remember, remember when I speculated at some point that Christy was going to get her period and then it didn't happen, but she got it in the show. She did. <laughs> I she also did. thought that was great because we don't talk about periods enough. We sorry, don't. the two men that probably listen to this. No, don't but, be like, sorry. We don't that's don't true. be sorry. No, sorry. We need to talk about are, periods more. If you are a man... And you're listening to this and you are uncomfortable hearing the word period. Well, one, get used to it. It's better than menstruation. Nobody likes that word. Two, it's, I think, like, this might be a step too far. I feel like people are more weirded out hearing people talk about periods than they are hearing people talk about wet dreams. That's true. And I don't think those two things are the same by any means. But, like, those are two things that adolescent kids go through that is true and i just think yeah i agree i think it was a they they handled it really well i liked that they talked about it i liked that it wasn't something because i think often 
there is a sense of embarrassment or shame well, around it in some when way. It's shown in TVs or movies because like you got your period unexpectedly and people see it on the back of your pants. Right. This was I also love that like she got her period. Her friends ran to her rescue. Yes. Someone had a pad and then like, they were like, How do you prepared. feel? And she was like, I just want more chocolate cake. And they were like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I think my favorite was when they were going through their camp lists, like their packing lists, and she's like, feminine products. And she, I forget what she thought it meant, but they were all looking at her and they're like, they mean pads and tampons. <laughs> and she's like, oh. oh. And I feel like that, that to me is such the perfect way of showing that line of girlhood Mm-hmm. Of there are there's a point at which you know, assuming that you have had the proper education and all of that, you know that this is a thing that eventually will happen to you, and mm-hmm. eventually you're going to have to worry about things like tampons and pads and all of that. But it it's in the back of your mind because it's not something you have to deal with. And then within a few year time span, there's always some people who have gotten their period, some people who have not. And it becomes this whole thing of, for some people, it's still very theoretical. And for some people, it's just really not. And I think that was a really good way to show that of like, like she's not even thinking about that because that's not part of her world yet. No. And the rest of her friends are like, "Uh." but I also think that goes to how Christy is more just on the, I don't want to say innocent side. I'm trying to think of a better way to say that. More on the like the younger side, the the for some things because I think you also, we also have to remember for as much as even in the show, Claudia and Stacia call her. I said Stacia. That's a new person. Stacia. <laughs> Claudia and Stacia still will say they're babyish. I mean, Christy started a whole business before she had her period. True. <laughs> So so it's like, okay, on the one hand, yeah, she might not know about your lady parts yet, but... I think she knows all about it. See, that's the thing, like, I think... Yes, she knows all about it. is one of those people who is like, she's got all the information. She... She logically understands it. She doesn't emotionally understand it. Right. Whereas I think Claudia or Stacy would be one of those people that even... Before they got their period, they would be thinking about it all the time because yeah. it was emotionally would, something that <laughs> yes. they... They would think about how they felt about it and what yes. that would mean for them turning into a woman, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Jenny Prezioso, Bailey Del Vecchio? Yes, because I loved that and I loved how they handled it. So you know how, dear listeners... I don't know why I keep calling everyone dear listeners. It's like I'm why not Kim Jong and dear list dear leader. Are we like are people building iconic statues to us already? Yes. Do we have a, a mythos? Do we have an origin story about how we yes. appeared on a mountaintop unbidden from the gods? Yes. Um, Jenny Prezioso turns into Bailey Del Vecchio, which in a in a genius move. I loved it. I I also enjoyed that, you know, they remained Italian. I don't really know why they had to change because I guess, well, but My, the name Bailey plays into it. Yes. And <laughs> I, I questioned it too, because I, I think I realized 
much like Marianne, I think I have a soft spot for Jenny Prezioso. And so oh, I definitely do. I think I was a little sad that we didn't get Jenny Prezioso. I wasn't sad at the way that they handled the storyline. I thought yes. it was great. But I was a little sad that I think I wanted to see Jenny Prezioso. And I questioned the like, well, why couldn't she have been Bailey Prezioso? And then I realized I think it was the smart move because it stopped anyone from then as stupid as this is, it stopped anyone from complaining that it wasn't the same character or that, you know, Jenny Prezioso isn't this or isn't that. Like, I think it just wipes the slate clean and says, we're not saying that, that Jenny Prezioso is anything different. This is a different character that we're using in a very similar way with a lot of similar characteristics. Separately from what we talked about earlier, where Dawn is still Dawn. Marianne is still Marianne. It doesn't matter right. if they match the physical descriptions exactly. They are still the character. And Bailey is still a little girl. Bailey is absolutely still a little girl. Frilly, glittery dresses. So when And we I first- think that Marianne will continue to be the one that yes. is the Bailey whisperer. So how we so the episode where we meet Bailey is still Dawn saves the day, so that's how we why we're saying Marianne. Jenny is Bailey. And it still starts off the same way with Marianne taking this job without asking anyone with a little twist because the mom was very adamant that it be Marianne because she talked to Marianne's dad and her dad right. said, oh, Marianne, Marianne's the girl for you, which I also think says a lot about Marianne's dad. <laughs> Yeah, although I also can see Marianne's dad being a little oblivious about how the club works. Yes, but I think given the circumstances of once we yes. understand Bailey a little more, that he yes. was just like, oh, my daughter will be fine with that. Yeah. So that all remained the same. They're still in a fight that was very stupid. <laughs> we still meet Dawn for the first time, which was lovely. But the first time we see Bailey is... Marianne is babysitting and still in the dresses. For dresses, the dresses. They're having a tea party. And does something spill? I think something spills. I know something spills definitely in the book. And then they go through the same, like, let's get you out of these, like, frilly clothes. These aren't good for playing. Yeah. Like, we need to go change you. And they go up to Bailey's room, and Marianne immediately goes to the closet. And Bailey, very matter of factly, says, Oh, those are my old clothes. I don't wear those clothes anymore. These are my new clothes. And the clothes that are in the closet, you can see, are more jeans, plaids, things that you would typically associate more with a boy. And then when they open up the drawers, it is pinks and purples pinks and, and dresses and, and all things that one and unicorns and Jenny Preziosa would wear. Um, yes. <laughs> so she's still there. Um, But things you would associate more with somebody who identifies as female. And Marianne, to her credit, doesn't skip a beat. She sort of figures it out and she's like, oh, okay. And then she talks to Dawn about it. And I think Dawn Dawn likened it to, like, if someone asked you to start writing with your opposite hand, how would that feel? Right. And Marianne was like, oh, yeah, I get it now. Yeah. So they introduced a trans kid in a really subtle, really thoughtful way and explained it, which is, again, very true to the books, explained it in a way that if you are 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 watching the show would understand 
and would know that this isn't this isn't weird. There's nothing wrong with this person. They just I are different. I did think, in a way, I did think it was so subtly done you that it. if you, because let's be honest, there are there are people in this world who have not encountered trans people in real life, and true, or not realize they have, or not realize they have. Um, and fewer and fewer, but there are still a lot of people who I think really don't understand the concept and don't understand what it is. And I think it was so subtly done that at first, I think there are probably people out there who just went right over their head and probably were like, wait, what? Well, and then how we learn that Marion saves the day. Bailey still gets sick. She still still has to go... Still has calls to go to around. The I will say, it makes a lot more sense if she's calling people cell phones in 2020. Accurate. But where she really comes into being Marianne is when the doctor comes in and the nurse comes in and they're saying things like, hey, buddy, hey, sport. They come because in because they like, have her chart for some they reason. They have her chart. Like, I think it's the. Oh, I mean, it's let's be real. It's probably the one hospital in Stony Brook. Right. And also, I mean, there are certain things when you do like an intake. True. Well, but it's like the ER. They're not going to like strip her naked. True. But Bailey is in her in her hospital bed, visibly getting very uncomfortable, very upset. Yeah. And Marianne marches that doctor and marches that nurse out into the hallway and was like, she would like a pink gown. Thank you very much. (laughs) And And that's when her dad walks in and realizes, oh, she's growing up. Yeah, so he sees her from afar and he sees her talking to the doctors. And this is, I think, the one point while I appreciated it and I thought it was good storytelling and it made the point and all of that. I think it's the one point in the series that I felt was unrealistic because I don't think it's unrealistic to think that Marianne would say that. I think it was very unrealistic that the doctors would listen to her and say... But oh, if yes. Okay, got it. Thank you. Like, I, I think that... But if that- this is the world that we we are projecting the world as we want it to be... Sure. That is what would happen. Because yes. there are so many other things in the show that, you know... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just... And again, I think it goes back to my, like... I, I don't know. It just... It, it took me out of it a little bit. It was the one point in the series where I felt... Eh. Like, I like what they're doing. I get why I mean, they're doing it. I think the same could be said then for, like, when Christy takes over the camp and is like, look. Oh, no, if yeah. You don't let also, us be, if you don't let us become counselors, uh, yes, count CITs. That also took me a I'm, little bit out of I'm going to tell everybody that my little sister just ran away and I had to find her. Yes. <laughs> Although I can see that. <laughs> but I but. can also see... And I think where it didn't necessarily, yes, I guess maybe the doctors wouldn't listen, but I think about. I think it's not that they wouldn't listen. It's just that they wouldn't react in the same way. They might, they might take it and listen. They would just be like, okay, little girl, whatever, go sit down. And then they might. I think it depends. And I think it depends on, I think if a kid is talking to you, if anybody is talking to you in that forceful of a tone, you're probably, because the other thing too, you have to think about like, okay, this is the babysitter, but this child parents are going to come in right. and if they are clearly on board with letting their child live their life in the way that they w- 
feel they want, yes. not feel that they need to live it. Yes. There would probably be problems if they didn't go. Yes. And I think and- about like one of our friends that listens who has said she is a Marianne. I could see her at that age saying something like that and doctors listening to her. I think too, like thinking back to when I was around that age and babysitting, mm-hmm. I I felt empowered by the parents because I felt empowered by the parents to make decisions and to be their representative as I was taking care of their kids. So I think there were probably moments where I was more forceful than I would have been even for myself on behalf of the kids that I was babysitting. Um, And I, I do remember feeling more adult and feeling more responsibility and feeling more like I could step into situations and be that voice than I would otherwise. It also gave me my first taste of oh my god disaster when I was babysitting my godmother's children and we were just walking along the sidewalk and this car backed out of a driveway that you wouldn't have even known was there and clearly they weren't looking for a you know four-year-old who they couldn't see and I literally had this moment where I just grabbed her and yanked her back by the back of her overalls and like my heart did not stop pounding for probably like 45 minutes after we got to the park. I don't think anyone had fun that day because I was like, watch out! Don't do that! Watch out! The worst thing that That's ever happened to me while babysitting was one of my mom's like really good friends got a divorce and I was like helping out and watching the kids. She had like, he was like, the littlest one was like three. And then the next kid was quite a few years older but he just was at that stage where he decided that he needed to anytime anyone wasn't looking at him intently would just pull down his pants run around and say look at my penis (laughs) and we were like oh sweetie put your diety back on (laughs) that's where dick pics come from (laughs) that's where dick pics come from (laughs) All those guys who were anyway. sending out dick pics were those toddlers running around going, look at my penis. So one thing we also haven't touched – there's so many things we haven't so touched on. Things. And this is turning into a full episode, so we'll probably wrap it up wrap a little up. and we'll we'll touch on it in other episodes. But we also need to talk about Morbid Destiny uh. and how we just leaned into Witch and it's okay and I loved it. <laughs> she is literally the head of a coven. And I love it. <laughs> and she's Dawn's aunt. And she's Dawn's aunt. Aunt, I say aunt, you say aunt. But either way, it's amazing. Karen and Morbid Destiny, I feel like as the- Karen gets older in this series, their souls are going to cross yes. paths. It's going to be amazing. She, I think the first time we see her, it's Karen screaming like, it's a witch! And, and she was like, okay, everyone, let's calm down. This little girl here thinks I'm a witch because I am. (laughs) She was just, she was perfect. It was great. We've also made it like this far without talking about the diabetes of it all. Yeah. I mean, the diabetes was still a character. It was. And you know what? I totally (gasps) discredited like how that. What? Wilford Brimley died speaking of diabetes. I know. I saw that. That was very sad. I almost texted you 
diabetes. And then I was like, that's too soon. Nah. Um, but I think I took for granted how big of a deal the diabetes of it all was because I had a friend growing up who had diabetes. So it was literally part of my world. So I was like, sure. why is this a thing? And then I saw an article from someone around our ages talking about how they read the books, they read the show and how big yes. of an impact Stacy had on their life because she had diabetes and she didn't feel weird anymore. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that was real. I just thought diabetes was fine. But <laughs> it's fine. But I think that, again, goes back to the how do you feel othered? Right. Is it a, a racial thing? Is it a medical thing? Is it an identity thing? And I think that is another piece of what the show does well, what the series does well, is it... it it shows how each of these girls have something that makes them feel like they don't quite fit in, but from an outsider perspective, they all fit in with each That's other. Fine. But I think it does do a really good job. And I think the books do as well, but yeah, you know, the series does a really good job in continuing that idea of we all have something that makes us feel like we don't belong. Everybody does. And as many heavy topics we've talked about, it was still super fun. There was still, I loved how they, you know, made the landline made sense. And I've actually been thinking about that more. If you are a legitimate business, you have a phone number and you probably have yes. a landline. So it wouldn't make sense if you need one phone number to call that you're going to call like Christy's cell phone or oh, Claudia's cell yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. need a business, you need a business right. number. Yes. So it actually makes perfect sense. And I think and they iconic. also, it, of course, it also did really well of it's, it's an age thing. They yeah. can't be on social media, like where they had, they still had to hand out flyers because they yeah. can't be on social media because they're not 13 yet. And I mean, to be fair, handing out flyers is actually still, people still street team that way. Just say it. Well, not yes. now because of COVID, but. Hello, would you like to come to a non-existent <laughs> event? Would you like to come to, you like to, come to my virtual show? But it, the whole thing was that there was still, you know, boy problems. When are they not? When are there not diabetes problems? Overprotective parent problems. Overprotective parent problems. It was just so, well, we could go on and on and on. And we have. And we have. And we have. It so was just delightful. A good place to end it. Mm-hmm. There's no so, wild speculation. There's no wild speculation. Here's my wild speculation. Did it get renewed? It did. Uh, oh, good. Mm. I'm going to say yes. I feel confident in that. <laughs> I'm I'm saying that in a questioning tone because I'm not entirely confident of that, but I'm pretty sure they did. I think the renewal... Oh, the Babysitter's Club has not been renewed for season two yet. But I think that's also because of COVID. Probably, because you can't shoot anything. Oh, except Tyler Perry can. Did you see that? No. Okay. But so, he could probably make a whole bubble. He did. It's amazing. Tyler Perry. Yes, but yes, I cannot imagine that it would not be renewed yeah it was so good so good and i think obviously there's a lot more stories to tell so many more stories to tell and we'll be back hopefully next week with a regularly scheduled episode i have to buy the book i'll do that tonight i think i might i can't remember who asked no me. my turn my oh turn. okay yeah we were ahead and 
Now we might not be. Well, thanks cool. for listening. Um, if you haven't watched it, we highly recommend it. If you feel like you've already watched the series and don't need to watch it, I mean, that's cool too. I mean, I might just go watch it again. Like when it I really, need- I think it's going to be one of those go-to that when you feel like you just need something fun to watch and not really like no deep and meaningfuls. Yeah. If you've and already I mean, I seen think, it once. And I, it's sim- it was similar to the books in that, especially now with what's going on, it's just really nice to go to Stony Brook. Everyone should visit Stony Brook. 